On May 22, 2011, Joplin, Missouri experienced a devastation like never before. An EF5 tornado swept through their town and they lost many of their houses, but not only that, they lost many lives that day. And as a church, when we see things like that happen, we know that we have to take action. So that's exactly what we did. We got a group of guys and we piled into a van and we drove down to Joplin, Missouri. We were able to team up with an organization called Convoy of Hope. And from there, we were able to tear down a lot of the foundations of the houses that had been torn down from the storm. And from there, we gave people hope to be able to rebuild those houses. And not only that, but to be able to rebuild their lives. A few weeks ago, Life Church launched a four-year ministry school called Life Leadership College. It was birthed out of a vision to train up the next generation of kingdom builders with a passion for God, teachability, and a servant's heart. We do this through three very simple steps. Realize, refine, release. Every student needs to realize their purpose and calling, refine their knowledge and skills, and be released into vocational ministry that God has called them to. We're glad to have you with us today as we start this brand new series called I Heart. And uh, again, as we are here today, we're talking about I Heart My Nation. Uh, and the next week we're going to talk about the city that God's called us to and, and how that fleshes out. And then the last weekend we're going to talk about our world. And every weekend we're going to be talking about what you're doing and what you've done uh, to make a difference around the corner and around the world through missions and outreach. And so... Um, I really hope that you'll continue to be here for this series because I think it'll be something that'll be motivating to you and uh, somewhat inspiring to you about what you're doing and what you're a part of, as well as uh, uh, when we do I Heart My World, Hal Donaldson, who is the founder of Convoy of Hope, Hal's going to come and, and share kind of his story, if you would, and I'm so excited. I'm going to be here that weekend. Uh, Hal has an incredible story of how and why he started Convoy of Hope, which is an international uh, disaster relief uh, organization to feed the poor and the hurting. Uh, and so uh, again, he's going to be with us and I promise you it's going to be an incredible weekend as well that weekend. So uh, we're so glad to have you today. And as we start this series, uh, we're talking about I Heart My Nation. Let me say two things right from the very beginning. One, I have never preached a message quite like this in 10 years of pastoring Life Church. Okay, that's the first thing I want to say. Uh, the second thing is, is that it's political in nature. And I usually don't deal with politics, and quite frankly, I won't. The last time I dealt with politics were four years ago before a presidential election. I did a series that really wasn't political at all, but the title was very much so. And just because of the title, I, two families didn't really like it, and they're no longer, unfortunately, at Life Church. So I'm going to try not to offend anybody on my title. So I heart my nation. I hope that's okay with everybody. And uh, if you laugh a little bit, we're going to get through this a little more easily. Is that all right? And, uh, but, um, but I do want to let you know that because I'm dealing with an, with an issue that I know is very sensitive, 
um, when we're talking about politics, especially just days away from a national election, that uh, I'm going to be a lot more uh, tethered to my notes than what I normally would be. I, as, as a public speaker and communicator, I'm very extemporaneous. So, man, I, I pretty much, I, I will, I'll do the same message four times in a weekend, but, uh, and I know where I'm going and all of that, but I'm a little bit more, uh, have some freedom, if you would. Uh, on this, I'm going to be a little bit more tethered to this, just because I don't, I want to, don't want to misspeak. And, and I want you to understand, too, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus Christ or to agree with everything that I say, uh, or be a follower of Jesus Christ and disagree with me. That, that's completely fine. I'm just going to bring us back to what the Word says, and back to something that I think we all need to give some thought to. And that's really all I ask for the next few minutes, is that you just kind of open your heart as we open God's Word, and we just look to see what God has to say about this subject. Now, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to be there in just a minute. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen for you. But I don't know anybody else in this room tired of the campaigning and the presidential. Yeah, God, I see that hand, all those hands. I mean, the commercials. Oh, my goodness. The, 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 the signs, the talk shows, the debates, the phone calls. Oh, my goodness. Like, seriously? You're killing me, Smalls. And so it's one of those deals where it's just nuts. And these are some, some statements. Even if you're short on information, you're never short on opinions. Isn't that true? Uh, no one has all the facts, but it seems like everybody has all the answers. Um, when your guy speaks, it's awesome. When the other guy speaks, he's lying. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican. It's just the truth. And, and, if, and, and people say, oh, if I could just have one hour with the people in Washington, things would be different. And, uh, and people, though, one of the things I notice is that people many times get more passionate about a national election than they do about their relationship with Christ. And here's the problem. Here's why it irritates you. Here's why it irritates me. Here's the issue. Government cannot address the real issue of this country, which is the hearts and lives of men and women. Government cannot address the real issue of this country, which is the heart of men and women. The church is the only entity that can change a heart. According to scripture, the church is the only entity that can change your heart. Let me tell you like this. If we became energy independent tomorrow, it wouldn't change one heart. If the government gave away free gas for the rest of your life, it would not change one heart. There's not one dad who's planning on leaving his wife and kids today that would change their plans because of free gas. There's no domestic policy or foreign policy that can break the power of greed in the human heart. The only thing that can do that, according to the Bible, if you believe the Bible's true, and I do, is the gospel. The gospel is a word that means good news. It means that, that, that it's good news that we don't have to be bound in our sins. It's good news that God loves us. It's good news that contrary to popular opinion, God's not some cosmic killjoy in the heavenlies. It just wants to make your life miserable. The good news is that God has a plan, a purpose for your life. The good news is that Jesus Christ came for all. The good news is that God loves all and saves all. If we will all just call the name of the Lord, we will be saved. And because... The reality is, is that government can't address the real issue in this country, which is the hearts and lives of men and women. What happens in the church house will always be more important than whatever happens in the White House. Let me say that again. What happens in the church house will always be more important than what happens in the White House. I don't want you to think that I'm getting a big head on that because this isn't my church. 
Contrary to popular opinion, Aaron Cole does not own Life Church Inc. This church is, is owned and operated by, by, by Jesus Christ. I mean, this is his church. There's going to come a day, should the Lord tarry his coming, that I will retire from this fine place, and my wife and Tammy will take each other by the hand. We'll walk out those doors, and I'll be to Boca Raton. Can I get a witness in the house? You know what I'm talking about? I'm just saying that I'm here to serve you, to equip you as a church of Jesus Christ through the work of ministry. That's my job. It's not my church. I don't own it. And I'm accountable unto him for every word that I say, even today, and every message that I preach, and the way in which I live my life. The Bible says there's a double responsibility to anyone who wants to preach and teach the gospel. But the reality is true, that what happens in the church house will always be more, happen, be more important than what happens in the White House. So how do we answer the questions? So what do we do as a church? How do we help shape this great nation? In order to do that, it's important that we understand how we got to where we are. How did we get to a place where the foundation of this country, trusting in God, has eroded? How did we go from being completely dependent upon God to completely independent on God? Well, the Bible tells the story of the nation of Israel. The path that they took after being delivered from slavery. And it's a very similar story to that of America. They were finally given their freedom back, and they absolutely blew it. So they became independent of God. And because they became so independent of, on, uh, dependent upon themselves, eventually the Bible says the nation of Israel was destroyed. And they'd been under attack for thousands of years. But before they got to that point, God gave them, the nation of Israel, a warning through Moses. And we see it recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 8. As we read this, I just want you to think for a few minutes. Think in the context of America. Now again, I want you to understand, I love this country. I, I travel abroad a lot, and there's no place like America. And I, I'm not down on America. I don't think that God has spoken wrath over America. I, 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 God bless America. I mean, I, I very much am, and very much, and I think that we should be involved. I just want you to understand there are some real deal issues that are happening on a national front. And the Bible gives us indication because history tells us where we're going, more, probably more so than anything else. Past behavior is most indicator of future behavior. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and the hills. A land with wheat and barley, with vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land where the bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Verse 10. And when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving to you this day. Verse 12, otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, the thirsty and waterless land and its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you... You water out of a hard walk, he, a rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something that your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that you, in the end, it might all go well with you. Verse 17, that you may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the ability to produce wealth. 
and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord of your God. The question is, what happens to a nation when it becomes independent of God? What happens? Well, this passage gives us that. And it gives us two, basically two keys. First key is we forget to be grateful. When we become independent of God, we forget to be grateful. Now, we're blessed as a nation. And the problems that we have in this country, I don't want to downplay problems. I understand that there are hurting people. But I'm just going to tell you, in the context of the world in which we live in, the problems we have are rich people's problems. You may think, I'm not rich. Listen to this. Our issues are high gas prices for our cars. But do you realize that only 8% of the people in the world own a car? Healthcare. Healthcare is a right. Do you realize that this year, 2.2 million babies will die just because of lack of immunization. Something you get in this country, whether you have health care or you don't. Energy independence. Do you realize that 1.6 billion people live on this planet without electricity? And there's only a little over 5 billion people that are on the planet. 8% unemployment. And again, if you've lost a job since 08, I understand. There's, it's a very tough time, and I don't want to make light of that. But I do want you to understand that 80% of the people that live in the world today do so on less than 10 U.S. dollars a day. A broken education system? There's over 1 billion adults worldwide that cannot read or write. Obesity? Our problem in this country isn't a lack of food. It's healthy food. It's a rich people's problem. That's our issue. And, and our affluence is the reason that we no longer think that we need God in this country. Affluence and humility are mutually exclusive. The more stuff you have, the less dependent you become upon God. That's what's happening in this country right now. And not just in the country, it happens in the church. It's proven over and over again. When a church is persecuted, it grows dramatically. But when a church has prosperity and affluence, it shrinks do you realize that the, church of, that the church in the United States of America, whether it's Protestant or, or, or Catholic, is shrinking in America? You may say, well, man, Life Church is growing. I mean, we're, we're growing, but you're in the top 1% of churches in this country. Uh, churches that are large and that are growing are growing at record paces. But the average church in America is shrinking every single year, regardless of denomination, regardless of affiliation, regardless whether it's Protestant or Catholic. And here's the reason why. Because at the end of the day, we have so much that we don't need God except as an add-on. It becomes a convenience issue if I have time for him. But you lose your job, you lose your house, and you lose everything, I promise you, you'll be at church every week. But when you've got money, and you've got energy, and you've got time, well, Johnny's got Sally, and, and, and Susie's got piano, and we just can't get there, and we just can't do that. And you just kind of add God in. Woo, Lord, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Our affluence is the reason why we no longer think we need God. It's because of God that we've been blessed as a nation. It's because of that blessing that we've moved God right out of the spotlight. And this is the exact thing that Moses warns us about, that Moses warns the Israelites about. We've forgotten to be grateful. And as a result, we become arrogant. And again, I love this country. Don't misunderstand me. I love America. I travel abroad uh, as far as missions all around the world. And there's no place like America. There's, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. 
But verse 19 says, if a nation forgets God, they will be destroyed. Are you saying God's going to destroy America? No, I'm just simply telling you that verse 19 of Deuteronomy chapter 8 says that when a nation exalts God, they're blessed. And when they forget God, they will be destroyed. God thinks this is such an important issue that the nations can be destroyed even over forgetting to acknowledge him. Again, you may disagree with this, but you take that up between you and God and the Bible. I'm just telling you what the book says. The second thing that happens is we lose our accountability to God. When we become independent of God, we lose our accountability to God. Verse 17 and 18 distinctly says this. We no longer are accountable to God and our collective conscience erodes. What's collective conscience? Collective conscience is the sense of what we ought and ought not do. It's a sense of right and wrong. Every marriage, every organization, every family has a collective conscience. Where there's a healthy collective conscience, there are less rules. Where there's a poor collective conscience, there's more rules. Great marriages have very few rules. A healthy organization, you don't have to tell the employees not to steal the pens. They understand that's wrong. But the problem in America is that our collective conscience has eroded significantly. We no longer can agree as Americans on what's right and what's wrong, what we ought to do and what we ought not do. Just look at our legal system. It's extremely complicated because there are so many laws, and this is because we cannot agree as Americans, as a society, on what's right and what's wrong. Morality is more often determined by the courts than by the human heart. And we've all seen court cases where we knew that someone was guilty, but they got off free, and everybody knew that they should have gone to jail. So what has informed our collective conscience, our national conscience? Well, it's a personal and a corporate accountability to God. And we know this from a few things. So I'm not making this up. I'm not giving you my spin. But one is the Declaration of Independence. And I quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Gettysburg Address, quote, that we are highly resolved that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. The Pledge of Allegiance, quote, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. The national motto in 1956, Congress passed a joint resolution to make the national motto, quote, in God we trust, end quote. President Eisenhower went on to sign the resolution to law on July 30th of that year. But today, if a principal of a public school in America got on the PA system and said, quote, just want to remind you kids that we, as a nation, are to put our trust in God, end quote, there would be more lawsuits in America than you could shake a stick at. Why? Because our collective conscience has eroded. It hasn't always been this way. D-Day, 1944, World War II, when we stormed the beaches of Normandy, France, President Roosevelt called the nation to prayer, quote, Lead them, our sons, straight and true. Give them strength to their arms and stoutness to their hearts and steadfastness to their faith. Businesses on that day shut down to pray. Schools stopped their teaching to pray. The New York Stock Exchange stopped business to pray. That's America, folks. The Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s, we had a moral conscience. As a nation, we were so strong that we changed laws to accommodate our high level of morality. But today, we're getting further and further away from having accountability to God. We would rather offend God than offend anyone else. And the problem is, is that in order to have any type of collective conscience, you must have accountability to something. 
So if we keep going down the path where we take God out of the conversation, then something will eventually have to take the place of God. So we have something to be accountable to. And until we figure out what we're going to be accountable to in the place of God, we have no business removing God from the conversation. Furthermore, we've seen nations void of being accountable to God. Think about what's been on your news if you've watched it at all in the last six months internationally. They no longer give people the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They no longer feel an obligation to treat people with fairness and with justice. But these corrupt leaders and nations rise up and destroy people. So what? What does this mean? What does this mean for us as a church? Let me say a couple things. One, I'm not running for political office. Thank God. Two, I'm not, this is not a right-wing message. This message, quite frankly, has nothing to do with politics. But it has everything to do with the fact that what happens in the, house, in the church house will always be more important than what happens in the White House. We become frustrated with entities. We become frustrated with government. We become frustrated. And as Americans, that's fine. As Americans, vote your conscience. I've already voted in the national election. I, I voted early. I, I believe in this. I, I believe that we should do this. I, I think that there, there have been men and women who have given their life and their, and for the freedoms that, that we have. I, I, I believe in everybody in free speech. I, I believe in these things. But what I am saying to you is simply this is that the issues that we're facing, what frustrates us the most, it's not what happened in Washington. It's not what happens in Congress. It's what's happening in the hearts and lives of men and women. And government cannot change that. You cannot legislate a human heart. You cannot mandate a human heart. You cannot change a human heart. Only God can do that. And God chose to do that through the vehicle of the local church because nothing works like the local church works when the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. We're the bride of Christ. We're the thing that he left. We're the entity that he left under the power of the Holy Spirit until he comes back to preach and to teach and to love and to share. And we're not here to bully pulpits. We're not here to pound our fists to get our way. We're not here as a voting block, contrary to popular opinion. We are here to serve this lost and dying world with one simple message. For God so loved you that he gave his only son. That's the message of the cross. That's the message of the church. It's not a political agenda. It's not an economic agenda. It's, it's, it's just simply an agenda unto God. I love what Billy Graham has done in the last week or so, uh, taking out a full-page ad in the USA Today, just simply stating, we need to elect officials who agree with the statement that we believe in God and what the Bible supports. Simply, not endorsing this or that. And some people go, yeah, but that's endorsing this or that. No, it's a statement. And again, the fact that you cannot make that statement determines, it shows for it that we have an eroded collective conscience, that we no longer can stand up and inject God in the conversation with, with fear of being considered a, an intolerant bigot who's narrow-minded. Really? I'm off my notes now. I'm sorry. i got to watch myself. My point is, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with you as an American citizen. You vote what you think is right. You vote what you think is, 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 is the way. You vote for the person that you do. But as the church of Jesus Christ, our role is so much larger than politics. It really has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with serving a hurting world. So there's two things for us to do. So first, for us to lead the way as a church. Folks, no one else's job on this planet is to serve humanity. We are. Jesus said that his mission and his motto was to seek and save that which is lost. That's not a, poly, a party affiliation. That's not even a national thing. 
See, government will never lead the way for our lives to be changed. It's not their job. It's our job. That's why it's so important that we step up and that we lead. That we tell people that there's a God that loves them. That we tell people and we show people the love of Jesus Christ that's unconditional. That we truly are one beggar to another beggar telling them where to find food. How do we do this as a local church at Life Church? Well, we're celebrating that this weekend and every single weekend. The organizations that we're supporting, that we're strategically partnering with in order to minister to people's needs. We're, we're, we also understand that in the world in which we live in, that, that, that hurting people are only going to drive so far to church, and so we need to make this accessible as possible. And so we are committed to a multi-site strategy, which means we're going to leverage technology. We believe uh, that uh, videos are the uh, stained glass of the 21st century, and so we're going to leverage those in order to plant campuses all throughout the Milwaukee metropolitan area. Within the next 12 to 14 months, we'll have a brand new campus that will be launched. And you go, you're crazy. We've already established that fact. Let's move on. I thought we were building the building here. Yeah, but folks, there's only so many people that are going to drive to this location. And we're not just committed to people that are living in this area of our city. We're committed to our city. And so we're going to be committed to that. But, but we are going to continue to build new facilities and purchase property and build buildings. But all they are, facilities are just that. They just facilitate what God's doing. We're never here about erecting uh, bricks and sticks and steeples and stained glass. It, this is not about that. It's all about just a bigger hospital in which to minister to people. And that's what it's about until everybody knows. It's, it's, it's never about the amount. It's never about the building. It's about leveraging everything that we can. That's why we're doing Life Leadership College, to train up the next generation of ministers. As a pastor, you know, I continue to see the, the rise of brick-and-mortar education. And, and, and I continue to see students that are going into full-time vocational ministry, and they've got student loans of thirty and forty and fifty and 60000 And I'm not throwing rocks at anybody, but something's got to be done. So we decided, hey, we could, we could leverage technology and through virtual classrooms be able to give students a, a four-year bachelor's degree that's fully accredited, the same level as the University of Wisconsin is accredited. We give them a local church experience with a, with a growth mindset, and we could help raise them up for the, so that they could, as Noel said, realize their, their God-given call, refine that calling and that education, and release them into full-time ministry so that they don't have debt because the inequity of a youth pastor that makes twenty-five grand a year having $80,000 a year in student loans is just unthinkable. So let's do something about it. That's what we're doing. And what we do through missions, disaster relief, church planning. It's been proven over and over and over again that to plant a church is the best way. To start a new campus is the best way, most economical, resourceful way to be able to reach people far away from God, that more people come to church through a church plant or a new campus than any other way. So we're going to continue to do that. And, and you're doing that, and we're a part of that. But the second way in which we, in which we, we apply uh, uh, our, our place as a church is to invite God back into the conversation. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then they'll heal, hear from heaven and I will heal their lands. From the time that we've turned dirt on this brand new facility, the Germantown campus, until the time that we get into it, something that God impresses upon my heart is that we're to open the doors of the church every morning at 7.14 a.m., kind of in commemoration of the First Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and have the doors open for people to come and pray. Now, I understand people are busy. I understand there's a lot going on. It's not a big deal. I think it's legalistic for a church to say, here's what we're doing, and you have to do it this way. But I will tell you that in a church our size, 
I understand there's a lot of people going a lot of different directions. But Saturday morning, there were two people here praying. Myself and Gary. Now we can question my salvation, but we all know Gary's pretty holy. And I'm not beating anybody up. I'm just simply making an observation. That if we want God to do what God wants to do in our lives, if we want God to do what God wants to do in our church, and if what happens at the church house is more important than what happens at the White House, then we as a people must pray. And again, you don't have to be at Life Church to pray. I don't want you to think, I think, believe that. But I am saying that we need to pray. We need to pray for ourselves. The Bible says, lest we fall, unless we stumble. We need to pray for our marriages. We need to pray for our children. We need to pray for our schools. We need to pray for our government. We need to pray for our city. We need to pray for our state. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for, for this world in which we live in, that we will do what God's called us to do. We need to pray for our church, because every battle is won and lost in prayer. And the Bible says that, that we are to, on a regular basis, to spend that time in prayer and interceding. And you may go, well, you know, if God's going to do what God's going to do, then why do we need to pray? Well, do you know how electricity works? No, probably not. But you still pay the wee energy bill and you flip the lights on and expect it to come on. I don't have all the answers. I'm just telling you that the Bible says that when his people pray, he hears. And so that's part of what we have to do is pray. And that's exactly how we're going to end today. Just take a moment and just a second of prayer and reflection for our country. We're going to do a couple things. We're going to pray for the election on Tuesday. Why? Because 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul says to Timothy, I urge you then, first of all, that all petition, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for the kings, that be presidents, and all those who are in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and in holiness. We're not going to pray for a specific outcome. Well, why? Do you want somebody to win? Sure, but that's not what God wants. Daniel chapter 2, verse 21 says that he, God, changes the times and the season. That he, God, removes kings and sets up kings. That he, God, gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Can I just tell you that God's not going to wait? He's not waiting for the electoral college to substantiate the popular vote on who's going to be president on Tuesday. He already knows. I don't really think about that. So don't come to church next week, oh, the sky is falling because my guy didn't get elected. God is God. And he brings the kings up that he wants and he brings the ones down. And here's the funny thing is we believe that until it comes to something like politics. And I don't quite understand that, but that's just what the Bible says. Don't get mad at me. Don't email me at, you know, email God at godahotmail.com. Tell him your problems. I'm just saying what the word says. He tells us to pray for our elected officials. To pray for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Psalm chapter 76, verse 6 and 7. For promotion comes neither from the east or from the west, but God is the judge, and he puts one down and sets another up. Our prayer is that whoever our leader is, that they will lead us in a way that never claims independence from God. Amen? So what I want to do right now is I want us just to take a moment and just bow our heads in this room and just quiet solitude just right where you are just bow your head close your eyes and just in silent prayer and reflection with no music with nothing going on and just for a moment just simply give this to the Lord